People are single for many different reasons. But it seems to me that there are uh, largely three categories of single adults. Two are single by choice and one group single but wish they were married. And each group uh, needs to hear something differently from the Lord. In the Bible, uh, God in his word addresses all three groups of people. So what I'm going to do today is just uh, talk to kind of each category of single adult, uh, and, but we all get to listen into all of it. So the first category are uh, singles by choice in order to have more time and energy to serve Christ. So, this is, so you fit this category if this is true of you. I am single by choice in order to have more time and energy to uh, pursue Christ, to serve Christ. Jesus says that this is a real category of person. Matthew chapter 19, verse 12, Jesus writes, or says, For there are eunuchs who have been so from birth, and there are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by men, and there are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Let the one who is able to receive this, receive this. So there are some some people who have said, I choose to forego marriage, I choose to forego family, so that I will have more time and energy with which to serve Christ and his church. Uh, if this is you, we applaud you as a church, we honor you. This is a noble uh, state of being, a noble decision and choice. Uh, you're in good company, John the Baptist, Jesus, the Apostle Paul. They were all single by choice in order to serve God. Now, uh, I often encounter singles who will say, I get so tired of married people who talk to me as if I just have all kinds of time and energy on, ha on my hands, right? But we're just as busy as married people. I don't dispute that, but, but what the Bible says is that if you're single, you have a lot more discretion over how you spend your time and energy and money. Uh, if you're married, if you have children, uh, a, lot of, uh, a lot of what you do with your life is sort of predetermined by that. And when you're single, you have a lot more discretion. And so Paul says this, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 32. By the way, 1 Corinthians chapter 7 is the chapter in the Bible that grapples with uh, the questions of singleness and uh, more than any other, singleness and divorce and remarriage and all that. It's a great chapter. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 32. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife. That is so true of me. That's all I think about. And his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. All right, so Paul's just, you know, he's saying, look, if you're single, you have a lot more discretion uh, with your time and energy. You can be singularly focused upon Christ and his kingdom. But when you're married, uh, you have responsibilities to your spouse, and if you have kids, to your family. That sort of determines a whole lot of what you do. 
And so those who make a choice to be single for the sake of uh, Christ and his kingdom uh, make a, um, it's a noble choice. It's a noble choice. Well, let me say, you are not half a person if you're single. I had a, uh, when I was a missionary in Russia, I had a friend, or I should say one of my coworkers, Bill, an older single guy. And he was really hurt because uh, there was a pastor, a Russian pastor, who told him, you know, until you get married, you're just half a man. You know, God says it's not good for us, uh, for man to be alone. He creates Eve and the two become one flesh. And so obviously you're sort of, you know, you don't have your soulmate, you're just sort of half a person. And you won't become like fully realized until you're married. Well, that's theologically wrong. Jesus is the perfect man, right? Was he married? No. He was able to achieve the pinnacle of human and, uh, and, and never be married. The apostle Paul was not married. John the Baptist. You're also not JV. Being single doesn't mean that you're junior varsity. Paul. Nobody would think of Paul as junior varsity. And so uh, if you're single by choice in order to serve Christ, um, here at Clearwater Church, we honor that. and We, op- we want you to know that uh, all... All um, positions of leadership within the church, including elder, if you're old enough, uh, are open to you. Finally, let me say, uh, you, don't have to, you don't have to make this kind of a decision for a lifetime. 1 Corinthians 7, 28. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. <laughs> uh, so you don't have to say, okay, if I decide to be single in order to have more time and energy to serve Christ, it's for a lifetime and grapple with that and be paralyzed by that decision. What happens if 10 years from now I meet somebody that you know I get really excited about and then I want to marry? Um, this is not the kind of choice you have to make for a lifetime. Uh, you can right now decide, I'm going uh, to be single right now in order to serve Christ. And then God says, if you, you, know, if you decide that you don't want to be single anymore, that's perfectly fine. You're free to get married. Second category of single. Uh, I'm single by choice because I want to live for myself. Uh, This week, a guy told me when he was a single man, a married man told him, here's my advice. Delay marriage as long as possible. Because when you get married, you get the ball and chain. And so uh, be single, because while you're single, you just do whatever you want to do. So, you know, live life as long as you possibly can, because, you know, when you get married, life's fun life is kind of over. And then you got to grow up, and you got to become responsible, and you got to live for somebody else. So delay that as long as possible. I think there are a lot of single people who are single because they want to live for themselves. Uh, This is not an honorable state for a Christian. The Christian is never, whether single or married, the Christian is never to live for himself. Romans chapter 14, verses 7 and 8. This is talking to Christians. For none of us lives to himself. None of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. 2 Corinthians 5.14 
For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died, and he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. If you're not married, it's not authorization to go live for yourself. Singleness singleness is not authorization to go live for yourself. It's not authorization to uh, be a, a perpetual adolescent and spend your time and money on you. And, and if you're a Christian, whether you're single or married, you are to be living for others. And one other, and his name is Christ. Not, not selfishly. George Barna in 2002 published a book called Single Focus. Single Focus. And uh, he said that 64% of married adults give to church in, uh, to a church in, on any given month. Never been married, 34%. Is that because married people are inherently more wealthy? I don't know. Here's interesting. The, mo- the, uh, the group that has the highest percentage of given, giving, widows. 68% of widows. Previous or, or divorced people, previously married, 54%. Isn't that interesting? Uh, and so as we've talked about uh, in earlier messages, um, the percentage of American adults who are single is just, just skyrocketed. Skyrocketed. Half the, half the Americans' adults are single. Now, if that's because, you know, just greater numbers of people are getting a vision to spend their lives on others. Awesome. But who really believes that? No, I think it's, it's, it's uh, linked to the increase in sort of narcissism in our country, right? Life's about me. Uh, and I don't want to have to serve other people. I, it's all about me. And that's just not honorable for a Christian. Um, if, you're a, if you are single by choice... I think you need to really grapple with the question, you know, am I really cut out for this? Am I really cut out for this? Let me read you uh, what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 1 to 3. Now concerning the matters about which you wrote, quote, it is not good for a man not to have, it is good for a man not to have sexual relationships with a woman, unquote. So, uh, Apparently, the Corinthian Christians wrote the Apostle Paul and asked him, is this statement true? It is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. Paul's response. But because of the temptation to sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. The husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights and likewise the wife to her husband. Don't you love it? You know, Paul... Paul I love how Paul recognizes men are not the only ones who have sexual desires. Women do too. So here's what he's saying. You know, so the Corinthians are saying, you know, uh, is, li- is celibacy a more noble way of living? Should every Christian aspire to be celibate? And Paul says, no. <laughs> the reality is there's, uh, we have sexual desires, there's, there's temptation, and so... If you, are, if you are able to live a single life and be sexually pure, great. And serve Christ, awesome. Uh, but if not, 
God has given a very honorable channel through which to uh, express and fulfill that desire in its marriage. Uh, and so, the Bible says, um, sexual desire, uh, marriage, is sexual desire, the desire to be, the desire to have sex, is a, is a legitimate motivation for marriage. It's just very straightforward. Yes. Where do I go from there? <laughs> National Association of Evangelicals, a couple years ago, uh, published a study. Gray Matter did the study in which um, they, they were um, evangelical millennials. Millennials are 18 to 33. These are evangelicals. So they go to church. They are Bible-believing. They, prof- uh, they profess to be born again. They desire to honor the Lord. Uh, and yet, uh, I think I've got a chart here, 25% uh, say that they've had sex recently. Another 19% uh, have, have had sex in the past. You know, 45% of evangelical millennials uh, are, not, are, are, are giving in to the sexual temptation. So here's my, here's, here's my point. Um, if you are having sex outside of marriage, don't tell me you're cut out to be a single adult. Uh, if you can't keep that um, desire in check, maybe you should conclude, uh, well, hey, maybe singleness isn't for me. Maybe I should be getting married. All right, third category of single. So we've talked about single by choice in order to serve Christ and his church. Secondly, you know, single by choice in order to live for myself. Here's the third category, probably the, the biggest category uh, in our church, and that's I'm single, but I want to be married. I'm single, but I want to be married. First off, that's a noble desire. Proverbs 18.22 says, He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Uh, it's, a, it's a good desire. And, but what do we do with good desires? We entrust them to the Lord. We tell the Lord, I want to be married. Uh, that's a good thing. And it says, He who finds a wife, to me, if you find something... You were seeking it, right? So if you want to be married, I encourage you to be proactive, to be looking, uh, to be saying, Lord, I want, to, uh, I want to get married, and then be out there actively seeking, employing healthy, God-honoring uh, means, methods for that, and we'll talk about that in a bit. Uh, but it's a good desire. Now, secondly, until you're married, you've got to recognize that your singleness is a gift, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 7, 7 says, I wish that all were as I myself am. Paul was single. But each has his own gift from God, one of one kind, one of another. Marriage is a gift. Singleness is a gift. Now, when Paul talks about a gift, he's always referring to something God gives you in order to, to use to bless other people. Now, the problem with singleness is uh, there are, you know, many Christian singles who say, I didn't ask for that. I don't want this gift. I'd like to give this gift back to you. (laughs) But God, who is sovereign, he chooses, you know, whether or not to give us the gift of singleness or the gift of marriage. And the key is, as, as long as God is giving you the gift of singleness, don't squander that gift. 
make use of it. It's a unique opportunity to uh, channel your time and energy and resources toward uh, building up the kingdom of Christ. It's a time of great flexibility, a time of great discretion. Don't squander it. Redeem the time for the days are evil. Well, how might you squander the gift? Well, you might say to yourself, you know, I want to be married, and until, I'm, until God answers that question, I'm going to be a little bit mad at God, and I'm not going to be as committed to uh, his, his kingdom and his purposes on earth. And so I'm just going to, as long as I'm single, I'm going to just live for me. And I won't get serious about, you know, kind of church things until I'm married. Uh, you might squander singleness, uh, the gift of singleness, by uh, resisting it in your own heart and mind. Uh, and just um, spending your emotional energy uh, frustrated uh, and sort of angry and disappointed and disgruntled with the fact that you're not yet married. And that's dishonoring to the Lord. Uh, and that's not recognizing um, the gift that he has given you. Uh, thirdly, let me say that maybe you need to, um, if you are single, want to get married, and, and really struggling with that, maybe you need to um, de-emphasize marriage in your heart. Marriage is a good thing, but it's not the ultimate thing. You know, marriage is a temporary state of being. It's for this life only. It doesn't last forever. Andreas Kostenberger, uh, I really like him. He's a good theologian. He said he was studying uh, singleness in the Bible, and he said, you know, I realized uh, there's a progression. In the Old Testament, being single is, is sort of, it, it's something negative. Because in the Old Testament, um, enjoying the blessings of the Old Testament covenant had to do with land, and it had to do with offspring, and so if you were single and couldn't have kids, you know, you didn't get as much of a share in, in the covenant blessings. Well, in the New Testament, all of a sudden singleness uh, for the purpose of serving Christ is something to be honored, and it's a legitimate way to live. And then he said you keep following the, the trend of the Bible in, in, the, in heaven, in eternity, will anybody be married? We're all single. And so, uh, we should not overly desire anything that's temporary, right? So, here's the deal. If you're a single adult, you're not missing out on any ultimate good things. The ultimate things are God and your relationship with him through his son, Jesus Christ. The ultimate family is the church. Uh, when people came to Jesus and said, Jesus had an earthly family, and they said, Jesus, your mother and brothers are here, and they want to talk to you. And, and, and what did he say? He said, a couple times in the scriptures that recorded, he said, who are my mother and brothers and sisters? It's those who follow me, those who have faith. The family of God is what lasts. That's the, that's the family that lasts forever. We're not Mormons. We don't think we're going to go you know, colonize a planet with our uh, eternal spouse. I wasn't intending that one. That one just came. <laughs> yes, so. It's not, marriage is a good thing. It's not an ultimate thing. And so, 
Uh, unfortunately, we live in a culture, and we as a church sometimes act as if marriage is sort of, you know, the ultimate. And it's not. It's the penultimate. And so it's a good thing. If you desire it, uh, great. Pursue it, great. But, uh, but whenever in your own heart you feel like because I'm single, my life is not, you know, is, is, is a, a, a less than life, your priorities are off. And when you're single and say, I'm content being single, what you're saying is Christ is enough for me. And uh, his, you know what, if you're single, you can still have offspring. What does Paul call everyone who comes to Christ through his ministry? My children. And those are children that last forever and ever. And when he stands before Christ, he can point to his, his, spiritual, his spiritual children. But it's nothing, you know, if you want to get married, marriage is a good thing. Marriage is a good thing. I, I like being married. I do. I'm very glad that, uh, that I have Sabrina in my life. I wouldn't trade that. And so uh, I certainly applaud it. And, and, and unfortunately, I'm, I'm one of those pastors. I, as I study this, I realize I, I often make the mistake of, uh, you know, talking to single people as if the next, you know, big thing in life is going to be find somebody because I'm that enamored with Sabrina. There we go. So here we go. Let me end with uh, advice for those wishing to be married. You want to get married? Great. Here's some advice. Tim Keller gives this advice. I'm just going to walk through it. Number one, recognize that there are seasons for not seeking marriage, especially if you're in a transition state, right? Uh, There are seasons for not seeking marriage. Number two, get more serious about seeking marriage as you get older. Uh, when you're young and you start talking about marriage and you, you might be years away from being able to do anything about it and now you're getting all stirred up and it just creates you know, frustration and, and unhealthy feelings. Number three, oh, and by the way, but when you get older, if you're still trying to date for entertainment's sake, you know, that's kind of inappropriate when you're older because probably the other person is thinking, hello, I'm trying to find a mate here. Don't lead me on. Number three, do not allow yourself deep emotional involvement with a non-believing person. First uh, Corinthians chapter 7, verse 39, talks about widows. He says, if her husband dies, she is free to be married to whom she wishes. Only in the Lord. Make sure he's a Christian. The Bible says it's not good to be unequally yoked uh, with an unbeliever. Uh, there's no um, more intimate yoking than marriage. When I was in college, uh, I went on a blind date with uh, captain of the water polo team. And my friend set me up. And I remember he said to me, Mike, uh, one problem. She's not a Christian. I'm like, it's one date. No big deal. But she was very beautiful and very fun and for some reason she wanted to go out a second time so I went on a second time with her she wanted to go out a third time and I said I'm sorry I can't pursue a relationship with you she's like why and so I told her Christ is the center of my life he's not the center of your life and uh, I I want to marry somebody that I can share that with here's what I realized Um, I mean I could tell this girl was quickly capturing my uh, attention. She was capturing my heart. And I thought, if I keep going down this road, I'm going to have a very hard time following Christ's command. 
Um, because all of a sudden I'm going to be in a position where I'm like, man, I fall in love with her, and now I've got to choose between two loves. And I'm very thankful I cut that off. Uh, don't dabble with that. You know, I have two, two good friends from seminary who married non-Christians. I remember uh, uh, my guy friend, he told me he, he met this gal, a, a bank teller. And so he tells me about her, and I asked him right off that, is she a Christian? He said, I don't know, I didn't ask her. I said, well, you need to find that out. Don't go very far down the road. Well, they're married. She's a great woman, but he's told me multiple times, I grieve not being able to share uh, this most important part of my life. Number four, feel attraction in the most general sense. Uh, it's having uh, a attraction. I'll tell you, if you're mad at somebody, I don't care how pretty they are. <laughs> you're not wanting to be close to them. And so attraction, be attracted to their character, be attracted to their spirit and their spiritual life. Uh, man, my advice is choose somebody who, who sees the world, the cup is half full. <laughs> uh, you want to wake up to that kind of person in the morning. Uh, Tim Keller says, he talks about mythos. And he said, you know, it's a big, you want to find somebody who you, you get excited about the same things. You read the same, you, the same books, you're like, those are awesome books, man. Or you, you're standing there, you look at the, the same painting and it stirs your soul. And, and uh, the same kind of ideas that inspire you, inspire them. And he said, that, that's a big deal is this whole idea of uh, mythos. I grew up, three brothers. I had no female cousins. I just, it was a man's world. My mom was the only, the only woman in my life. And uh, now that I've had been married 17 years and I've had daughters, I, I see women uh, more three-dimensionally. There's more than just uh, kind of the, the physical beauty. So feel attraction in, in the most general sense. Number five, don't let things get too passionate too quickly. Uh, it's hard to, it's hard to slow. Once the fire starts, it just wants to rage. It just, fires just want to burn things. So, and what does Paul say? You know, it's better to marry than to burn. And that's not a negative thing. He's just acknowledging, man, our passions, you know, they, we, can, we can burn. Six, don't become a faux spouse for someone who won't commit you, to you. Uh, we, we talked about last week, or two weeks ago, seven and a half million cohabitating couples in the U.S. It's a lot of false spouses. Don't be a false spouse. Um, you know, you give the other person uh, a lot of the benefits of marriage. What's their motivation? God's the one that created the sexual desire. And, and that was intentional, right? I, I have to think he gave us that strong desire to help us, to help motivate us to find a spouse so that we can kind of populate the world. But when we, when we start um, satisfying that desire outside the context of marriage, well, then we take away that motivation. Uh, translation, don't give them what they want and then they'll get married to you. There we go. Number seven. All right, strike that one. If you can strike that line, strike that line. Number seven, get and submit to lots of community input. Uh, yes, you're, or you're, I know you think that you're the only one who has loved this strongly and deeply, but 
probably not true. And others, uh, others have been there, done that, and can give you uh, wisdom. And, and when you get infatuated with people, you're, you tend to have blinders on. You can't things, see things clearly. So uh, get and submit to community input. Other people care about you, and they can help advise you along these lines. I have asked Dylan to come up. I want to give Dylan the last word so he can now refute everything I've said. Giving a single adult the last word. Here you go. So because Mike has been married for 17 years, I think it is really valuable to have someone speak from kind of on the ground, um, especially on this topic of singleness. And this is something that has been my life for pretty much my entire life other than two months. Uh, So there's a lot that I've learned and a lot of um, God's taken me through and really taught me in my journey of singleness. And so I really wanted to share and really speak into kind of each of these three pieces that are actually embedded in my story. And uh, when I think about my posture towards relationships when I was younger, especially middle school, high school, I would say Proverbs fourteen twelve describes it uh, the best, which says, all man's ways seem right in his own eyes, but in the end they lead to death. I didn't trust the Lord with that area of relationship uh, and those deep desires that we all have because we're relational beings. And because of that, I, I sought alternative solutions, right? And so that was stemmed actually from an unbelief. I didn't have a belief that God was that good. Like I knew he was good, but I didn't believe he was that good, that he really withheld no good thing from those who fear him. And so for me, that unbelief in the gospel and the fullness and the, and the sufficiency of Christ led me down a path, years of addiction to pornography, and it just wrecked me. It was death, nothing but death. And so for some, that unbelief or that unwillingness to trust the Lord with relationships will lead to maybe lots of sexual activity, lots of different relationships. Um, it can express itself in different ways, but for me, it was um, pornography. And so I remember, I remember the Spirit of God telling me, um, you know, Dylan, my son, like, you can trust me with this. Like, come and surrender this to me. Like, I know what's best for you, but you have to die. Like, you have to let this version that you have and this control and you think you know what's best, you have to let that die. Because unless it dies, life can't come from it. And Jesus in John 12 says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless this grain of wheat falls in the ground and dies, it will remain alone. But if it dies, it produces a harvest. And so through the years of this trusting the Lord, okay, Lord, I can trust you. Okay, Lord, I can trust you. He's shown me something so incredible that I really feel is one of the main things God wanted me to share today. And that's God can be trusted with relationships because he's the author and the, and the founder and the creator of relationships. If you think back to the early account in Genesis 1, it says, let us, let us, he's talking to the Trinity, make man in our image. So we see even before creation was brought forth, there was already a relationship, God the Father, Spirit, and Jesus the Son. And they were in perfect harmony, perfect relationship. So out of that place, they created the first relationship that mankind has ever had between Adam and God. And then he made Eve. 
And so we see that we have all the evidence we need, all the proof that we can trust God in this area. And actually, he actually wants better for us than we do. Like my story, I settled for such a, imita- such a cheap imitation, such a false intimacy. And all along, he's going, man, I got far greater things for you, Dylan. But you have to let you, you, know, you have to die. And you have to let me bring this to life. You know, Friday is always before Sunday. You know, the grave always before resurrection. And so, I, um, I mean, it's been such a process, and it still is. But, um, you know, I, just trying to find my place. <laughs> so, the last five years for me, um, I've really embraced that, okay, God, I desire to be married, sure, but right now you've called me to singleness. And if you really know what's best for me, then I can trust you with that and just to say yes to you and join you in your redemptive work. I can join you in co-laboring with you and being a part of your glorious plan here on earth. And I'll tell you what, my life has been so incredible. I mean, I am so blessed. Like, I feel like I'm one of the richest people in the world. And I don't have a wife. I don't have kids. But I have the presence and the fullness that Christ offers us. And so here's the deal, is that regardless of what may come, I know, and I can be confident, we can be confident. In John 10, it says, I have come to give you life and life to the full. And he's not saying contingency if you're married, if this, if that. It's like, man, he knows what what leads to fullness. And so either if I'm married, there's fullness that comes through that. If I'm single the rest of my life, there's fullness that comes through that. And so as it stands, wherever you are, live in that present time because it may come up soon. It may end. And, or it may not. But, you know, I love Galatians 2.20 because it says that Dylan has been crucified. And I no longer live. So Dylan's dead. And so it says, the life I now live, I live in faith in the Son who loved me and gave himself up for me. So really it comes down to do I trust him? Do I really trust him with my life? Do I trust him with my desires? Do I trust him that he knows best, that he does not withhold any good thing from us? And the funny thing is, is that I wouldn't want a relationship if it was just me leading it anyways. It's like we want relationships that are led by the Spirit, right? And so it actually gives us a lot of freedom and says, man, I don't have to worry about that. I don't have to be all anxious about who and what and when and how because Lord knows that's taken up a lot of my time and energy. And so I just love that the Spirit knows what's best and he's going to either lead you further down into singleness, into the depths of his goodness, or he'll lead you and open your eyes and start to move your heart and prepare you. And man, that's what you want anyways. You don't want to just try to fill that hastily because as Proverbs says, it leads to death. And so, um, yeah, I'm just going to close us in a time of prayer and a responsive time of prayer. Um, the band, if y'all want to come up. And so, yeah, let's just come before the Lord. Uh, Father, You have just proven yourself so trustworthy, Lord. We have ages upon ages of evidence that you are good, Lord. That you're faithful throughout all generations, God. And Lord, 
we repent of our unbelief that you are, are that good, Lord. We want to just proclaim right now, Lord, and testify that you are so good, Lord. And Lord, that you satisfy the longest longings and desires of our heart, Lord. And Father, I just want to just, just proclaim, Lord, to others here the, that if they need to lay that down, Lord, and just say, Lord, here, take it, Father. I know this is something I want or something I've longed for, but I trust you with it more than I trust myself to manage this. And Lord, may you just be glorified in that exchange where we just lay it down and say, Lord, whatever you will, Lord, I no longer live. I'm not living for myself. It's not about me anymore. If I glorify you more, Lord, in singleness, so be it. I trust you in that. If I glorify you more in marriage and in family, Father, I trust you there too. It's hard either way. <laughs> it's hard to be single for the Lord. It's hard to be married. Hard to have kids. But Lord, even you said in the garden, not thy will, but yours be done. And man, there is so much freedom. He's going to blow you away as you give that away to him. I, I am just so confident in that because I'm a living testimony of that. And So, Lord, we just thank you so much that we no longer have to live for ourselves, as it says in 2 Corinthians 5. Life was terrible living for Dylan. It was awful. So we just praise you, Father, that we can live for something so much greater than us. And we just give all these things, Lord, to you because you are so worthy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.